fuck is a reboot? Well, a reboot, boys, is when Hollywood wants to make a lot of money without the hassle of creating a new movie. So they take an old movie and change just enough to make you pay for the same shit all over again. Those greedy fucking animals. Oh, it's insidious. And welcome back to Reboot Deboot. I'm your co-host, Griffin. I am your other co-host, Alex. And we're the podcast that has the number one podcast between Alex and I talking about movies on the interwebs. Yep, we just got those surveys back. It's official. How you been, Alex? Good. Good, good, good. Kind of, uh, I don't know, busier at work, but... I did, like I said, and I went back and watched The Mighty Ducks, and it was great. It was a real, uh, really fixed me up after being emotionally abused by Walter Matthau. <laughs> well, um, uh, it's interesting you started there, because I would like us to take a walk over to Uncle Alex's Movie Review Corner! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, Alex, uh, fill us in on Mighty Ducks and D2, man. What's the, uh, what's the shimmy? What's the skinny? What's the new? D2 is less good. But uh, so the Mighty Ducks, we were t- we were talking when we talked about the Bad News Bears. Like, is there a version of this movie that's done like well and isn't just about sure. child abuse? And we were like, <laughs> may- maybe the Mighty Ducks. I don't know. Neither of us have seen it since like we were kids, right? So I went back and watched D1 and D2. And D1 is basically it is kind of the Bad News Bears story, but done really responsibly and well in a way where I don't want to cry because these kids need like adult supervision that isn't an alcoholic around them. It's like, okay. so like in the movie coach Bombay, you know, he's like a slick lawyer now and he gets a DUI and he has to do community service. But before that he was in Pee Wee Hawker and Pee Wee hockey. And he was kind of a star, but he flubbed a shot during a championship game and he had like a real dickhole coach who was like very overbearing. He's basically the coach of the Yankees and the Bad News Bears, right? Real asshole piece of work. Kind of like ruins his life. Well, not his life, but ruins hockey for him. And Coach Bombay had not played hockey since he fucked up that shot back in the day. To the point now where he's like just like averse to hockey in general. He's a lawyer. He's obsessed with winning. This is important for later. They do a good job at like tying all these themes in, right? It's like, a lot of it is like the coach's personal journey. Um, and then there's like parallels with what's going on with the kids and stuff, but it doesn't take him the whole movie to realize he's an asshole. There's this kindly German man who runs the skate shop who's like coach bum. Like, you know, they have the thing with their first game where he's a shitty coach. He's kind of yelling at him. He's not like really being a coach. Kindly German man who was like a surrogate father figure for coach Bombay because his dad died when he was super young. Um, is like, you know, just show them it's fun or whatever. And then the, the team all comes together pretty early on. And then it's mostly about an actual underdog story with all these people that we like that aren't very good, but they're getting better. And it shows them actually getting better. They're not just winning games because of trick shots. There are a lot of trick shots, but they're fun. Uh, <laughs> and also, like, the kids are all a team in this. They're not, like, bullying the shit out of each other in between games or on the field. Like, they're all these scrappy kids from the same neighborhood in Minneapolis. And they're, like, there are some hijinks they do, but it's, like, kid shit. They're, like, fucking, you know, they they have this, they do this prank where they find an old purse on the ground. And then they 
feed a dog some chili and follow it around for a while and they get the dog to poop in the purse and they put a dollar bill in the purse and leave it on the street and wait for someone to come and steal it. And then uh, <laughs> and then he's got a purse of poop in his car with him. It's good stuff. And they do a bit of the like moral victory at the end, but they also win, which is nice. Uh, Mighty Ducks 2, way worse. Way worse. It gets into a bit of the... So like in that one, they're in... They're doing like the junior Goodwill games, or it's basically like Pee Wee Hockey Olympics. <coughs> and they're playing Iceland, who is like the team is staffed by a bunch of like 25 year old sociopaths that are like want to murder these little kids. <laughs> <laughs> and this one also gets a bit more, uh, I don't know, racially insensitive. It's like Mighty Ducks 1 did a good job at like no one is made fun of. Like, for, I don't know, it's not the kind of, like, punching down humor that is happening in the Bad News Bears, right? And they, and sure. by the time they get to D2, they move into that a little bit, like, so they're playing in the Olympics, there are teams from all over the place. The first team they play is from T- Trinidad, like, the Trinidadian hockey team, which is, I think they're making some cool oh. runnings jokes here, right? Because it's, like, sure, um, of, but of like, course, in their hockey pit, they have basically, like, a whole, like, cavalcade of like people celebrating with them like there's a dude playing the fucking kettle drums in the like hockey <sighs> dugout bench none of the other teams have any sort of cultural celebrations like that happening <laughs> it's just a right. team. there's a bit of that they also write out a bunch of shit from the mighty ducks one in a weird way so like hans i think is his name is the kindly old german man who basically like, shows coach bombay the air of his ways early on and he's like a surrogate father figure for coach bombay so like mighty ducks two starts with uh, Coach Bombay getting back into town after having played in, like, the AAA leagues in hockey for a while. Like, his his relationship with hockey is healed the first one, and it ends with him going to try out. But he, he's coming back after having been injured, and he gets picked up by a different old German man who looks very similar. Um, and Coach Bombay is like, oh, what happened? Like, hello, Franz, what happened? Hans couldn't make it? And then in a single line, this really important character is just, like, written out. He's like, no, he went back to the mother country. That's it. We don't hear about him again. But it's clearly just like, you know, like when they replace a character in a sitcom with a different actor and we sure. don't address it. Like, that's all that happened here. Because he does the exact what's same the... thing. He wasn't in the movie before. He's just this guy's what's brother. The, uh, what's the time period between D1 and D2? Like a year. I don't know. He's played oh, like, shit. He played like okay. a season or two of, ho- of uh, a AAA league hockey. It's, no, I mean, like, actual, like, when did D1 come out and D2 oh, come out? Was it an actual, like, year or, like... It was a little longer than that. I think it was maybe, like, four or five. Like, the Mighty Ducks are a big fucking deal, pop culture-wise, by the time D2 comes out, I think. Sure. Because there's an insane number of cameos in it. Like, just so many NHL players. Wayne Gretzky shows up in it just to shake hands with a team in one scene. Like the like like wait, the great like, one. Wait, like, yeah, like him in person in a suit just like, walks in <laughs> into their what? into their locker room. Jeez, I mean that kind of makes sense. Like, there's an insane. It, there's there's one where oh, and the main like the main sort of like problem point in D two is that Coach Bombay is going Hollywood now. They have uh, <sighs> like he like he's getting he the team got a big sponsorship from this like sports uh equipment team to play in these junior goodwill games and uh coach bombay is like he's got this sweet ass penthouse in la that he's staying in and they keep on showing the they keep on cutting back to him every so often he's like he's on the phone 
and he's trying to sell a sponsored shoe. But he's like, he's like, we'll call it the Air Bomb Bay, and it's a loafer for kids that want a coach. <laughs> that was pretty funny. I liked that a lot. <laughs> I think I remember. Th- I think I have a vague memory of that. Yeah, but the like D two just sort of rehashes a bunch of shit from Mighty Ducks one, but in a worse way. There's way too many kids now. They have all the kids from the first team. Plus, they introduce like six new kids that all have some super gimmicky shit to them. Where there's one kid that's like a rodeo dude who could like handle the puck really well, but they also have him like rope people on the ice occasionally. There's like what? <laughs> <laughs> that can't be legal. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I think there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't lasso another play. I don't know. There probably is, but so it gets see. This is interesting to me hearing helpful. this because I. I always, in my mind, I had a better memory of D2 as opposed to D1. And maybe that's because I was a little older for D2. But I also feel like, in the same way, like, everyone loves Bad News Bears. Like, I feel like everyone loves D2 way more than Mighty Ducks. I definitely, so before doing this, I would have said the same thing. And I think it's because I watched D2 a lot more. And I think D2 is, like, more of a straight kids movie. Like, Mighty Ducks 1 is as much about Coach Bombay, or even more so about Coach Bombay, as it is the kids. And in D2, there's a lot more scenes of just, like, well, I don't know. It's hard to say. The D2 is a lot more sort of, like, hijinks-y, I guess. Right. It's it's like the kids, like, well, like, we'll show them, like, interacting or, like, being kids. And, yeah. They, like, they go to, you know, the whole thing's happening in L.A. And they go to, like, Rodeo Drive. Um, to all the oh, fancy stores and the, the southern the, yeah. the he's not southern he's from like Montana or something the rancher kid is like this don't look like no rodeo I ever been to yeah <laughs> it's a lot of shit like that that's um, a oh, god they have a, they have a like a, a tutor with them right because they're all like missing school to do these games and so they have to be in, they have to like take classes and stuff but all of her classes they only show her like teaching once or twice but she's basically just like She's talking about sports history, essentially. <laughs> She's really trying to get a oh, nice. to play hockey. It's very. I don't Good. think these kids are getting a well-rounded education, right? Um, it, it, like, it, uh, God forbid, <laughs> none of them go professional and blow a knee or some shit, or have to retire early, and they're fucked. But even not liking D two as much as the first one, it's still miles better and more responsible than either Bad News Bears movie. <laughs> okay. All right. So D3 now, or? I, that's one I didn't like when I saw it back then when I was a kid. i pretty reticent to go and rewatch that. Now, what about the Mighty Ducks cartoon? Oh, where there's like the, it's like crime fighting like mutant ducks, right? But they're actually playing hockey. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I probably won't revisit that either. I might have watched that as a kid. <laughs> I think that was coming out. I watched that. Like, that's they like were, the Ninja Turtles ripoff kind of thing, right? Like there, like so there were. There's Ninja Turtles. There's the Mighty Ducks cartoon. There's Street Sharks. I remember Street there's Sharks. There's Biker Mice from Mars. I remember. And then too. there was one yeah. called Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. Oh, that yeah. was basically just a parody of Star Trek. Right. Those are like the five. Like and then I guess like Rescue Rangers and Chippendale and Tailspin. But those and are like Rescue. Ra- those ones are a little different because the first five that you mentioned, they're all like all the right. all the heroes are like radical and super nineties, and they're into extreme sports and surfing and shit. Sure. <laughs> like the, yeah. Yeah. The rescue. I mean, Biker just, Mice from Mars. 
they're literally like biker might like they're wearing leather jackets and shit. Oh, and then uh, um, Popcat or like Tomcat or whatever the two fucking like cats like they're fighter jets or whatever and they have a garage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nineties was a uh, big on anthropomorphic animals doing extreme shit. They were, they were. Glad that tri- I'm glad that like faded. Uh, can you imagine the horrifying mess that would be a J.J. Abrams piloted or who did the who did the Ninja Turtles movie where they are the burn victims? Michael um, Bay. Michael Bay <laughs> doing <laughs> biker mice from Mars. They'd be horrifying. I would not want that movie. <laughs> I don't like, think anyone would want that movie. That's like not... a jacked version of the rabbit from Donnie Darko. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Um, street sharks. They used to eat lasagna. Oh, <laughs> they hated right. pasta. They hated pizza. They used to eat lasagna instead. Yeah, that's a weird point of differentiation. Pizzas for losers. <laughs> we eat lasagna like real bad. Yeah, asses. we're sharks. <laughs> street sharks. This is fucking nineties. Okay, so D one good. D two pretty less, okay, but not good. as good as D one. Yeah, let's get okay. kind of spits in the face of D one. They also changed like there's this thing in D two where they're all talking about where they're from, and they all say like all the original team is saying like different towns in Wisconsin, but it doesn't make any sense. There's a very big plot point in D one about how a player gets moved from this team, the Eagles, to the Ducks because he lived in a certain neighborhood. Like it's a sure it's a <laughs> it's a neighborhood team it's not a team made up of people from a bunch of different cities like they all ha- i don't know they, they they rewrote a bunch of stuff in d2 um ouch well it just didn't i i'm not sure what was going on there i think that might have been more of a cash grabby thing or something i don't know but i mean it kind of i mean again like the fact that there's a mighty ducks cartoon right yeah i mean and then by like, the time they like and they also changed the hockey jerseys to i don't know if the anaheim ducks didn't exist when the first movie came out and did by the time d2 came out but but by the time d2 comes out they're wearing the actual like anaheim ducks jerseys that one with like the duck-faced hockey mask yeah didn't sebastian bach write like a fight song for the anaheim ducks or some shit (laughs) no that was for he did write a fight song for a team called the ducks but it's for University of Oregon up here, a college team. Oh, okay. Okay. Don't fuck with the ducks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't fuck with the ducks. Yeah. It was <laughs> fair enough. Um, all right. Well, that was Uncle Alex's movie corner. Ah, thank yeah. you, Alex. Check it out. Check it out. Especially now, back to co host hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, cool, man. Right on. Yep. How was oh. <laughs> How's your week then? Um, it was okay. I saw, you know, I'm not big into sci-fi. <laughs> not really the biggest sci-fi fi- uh, fan on the planet. But Alicia, it was her birthday recently. And she wanted to watch a movie that she really enjoyed and I never saw before. It's a Justin Timberlake and Cillian Murphy movie called In Time. Oh, yeah, I know that movie. Um. Oh, I actually enjoyed it. I was I was surprised. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. 
it's not yeah i mean it's a little logan's runny it's a little 1984 big brother-esque um i like it every time they make a really obvious time joke i like it as much as i like equilibrium (laughs) (laughs) okay okay you know like equilibrium in time they're pretty much christian bale the grammaton cleric they're basically just like let's see how many great sci-fi novels we can jam into like a 90 minute movie right so i get i don't know i haven't seen i don't know if i ever saw equilibrium that's the one where they're throwing the bullets around corners right uh, no that's wanted that's gun okay equilibrium is like gun kata stuff going on yeah equilibrium is gun kata stuff um, I did see in time. I was not super impressed by it. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I didn't hate it. I've seen worse sci-fi movies in time. I thought I was. It was interesting to see that world. It was. It was the same thing as like I don't know Repo Men, or yeah. you know, like it's not the worst, but okay. Like, like I'm here that. for it. I love Repo Men. It's a great movie. Did you like Repo the Genetic Opera? Not as much. I mean, they don't really have anything to do. No, with No, you other. fucking fanboy. You fucking <laughs> fanboy. Do you? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm not. Am I a fake fan of musicals or a fake fan of poorly written sci-fi well, musicals? I'm just because it's the whole thing of like Repo. The Genetic Opera came out first, so there was a lawsuit against Repo Men, and it was the whole thing. So people like Repo, Repo Men became Repo more Men famous. Nineties, didn't it? And like Repo, the Genetic Opera out in like the early 2000s repo men like the jude law movie came out after repo genetic opera no whoa what's the one where they're driving cars and like working in the uh oh okay different okay two movies called repo men you're thinking of the one from the 90s i'm talking about the one that's basically repo the genetic opera yes oh (laughs) repo repo men is where they get like the organs and then they're coming back correct to repo them yeah 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 okay Yes. No. Oh, yeah. Those are extremely similar. I do remember that. I was, yes. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is he talking about? Okay. That's that what I was... <laughs> Didn't, did not like Repo the Genetic Opera or Repo Men. I did see both. Um, okay. Yeah. I thought Repo um, the there was Opera a... was really cheesy in a fun way, and the musical bits are kind of funny. But they're like, I don't know. In t- like, uh, uh, like, Repo Men, End Time, <laughs> Equilibrium, they fall in the category of me of like, sci-fi movies that are almost really good like they're like they're they're almost really good like they're just they're you know they can just taste being a really good movie and they're not Hmm. like i've seen way worse but they're pretty all right like i you know i wouldn't mind seeing any of those again in like the next four years nothing's bad after you've seen looper (laughs) did you watch that we don't need to talk about it. We don't need to talk about Looper. It's very frustrating. See, like Looper, I would put like Looper above or like below the scale of like Repo Loop, Bin and Looper's Equilibrium. Because it's like swinging hard and also taking itself extremely seriously, but then it's like not that good. Right. <laughs> so, right. And it's Looper, along with um, problems. Jumper, too. Is that another, like a time travel one? No, this guy can basically like can teleport any location he wants to as long as he can see it. And Samuel Jackson is the antagonist, and he's like, oh, it, it's Samuel Jackson, ver- yeah, versus uh, Anakin. 
Weird. All right. I probably won't see that either. Yeah. But okay. There's a ton of like mediocre sci-fi movies out there, but there, some are pretty. Like some are almost really good. So Looper came out uh, in 2008. Ke- and speaking of movies that came out in 2008, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a sci-fi podcast. Uh, Alex, why don't you tell our audience, our hearers, what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, we watched two movies again. Um, this time it was the 2008 movie let the right one in and the 2010 movie let me in uh, just an english language remake of a swedish movie and uh we are doing this ahead of the upcoming showtime show let the right one in which starts october 9th oh did we talk about that i didn't realize that okay um, yep. So starting October 9th, Showtime are making uh, a Let the Right One In TV show uh, that's slated for 10 episodes, and we'll see how it does in the ratings if they're going to get a season two or not. That's weird. I wonder if it's going to be about Oscar and Ellie. Hmm. Hmm. Um, it's uh, Eleanor is the girl. It's her and her father trying to find a cure for all of this as she befriends a 12-year-old boy who lives next door to her. Um, oh, they made him his, her father. Interesting. Okay. Y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> more and yeah. more edges being shaved off of this whole thing. Right. Um, but that is for October 9th. Today, we are going all the way back to Sweden in 2008 for the subversive romantic horror film, Let the Right One In. Alex, what's your experience with Let the Right One In and Let Me In? I legitimately don't know if I had seen Let the Right One In before I watched it or not. I don't think I had because there's a lot of stuff in here that I was like not surprised by, but like impressed by in a way that felt new. I had definitely seen Let Me In, uh, the English language version of it at some point. I don't remember when. It was on Netflix. It's still on Netflix. I think it's been on Netflix since it came out. Um. And I watched it there because I like, uh, I generally like Chloe Grace Moritz and stuff. Um, yep. And I think I remember thinking the movie was fine when I watched it. Um, my opinion has soured a little bit after having watched both of them now. But that, that was about it. I was like aware that Let Me In was a remake of Let the Right One In. Um, and that I didn't, it's one of those ones I didn't realize like how directly of a remake it, it like it was, but. That's about it. Um, what about you? Had you seen these? So I had seen Let the Right One In uh, in like late 2008, maybe early 2009. Yeah, so like pretty soon and it came out. Yeah, and then I never saw Let Me In. Yeah, well, because this one, like, this is one of the like foreign language movies that actually like, kind of broke through in America, right? Like, it right. Did, did right. well over here, which is generally that double it's rare when you a shitty english language remake which yeah um so i saw let the right one in and i thoroughly enjoyed it and we can get into that more about when we get into this but for the this little preamble here um i never saw let me in because in my mind i'm like i get it i don't think you can improve on it and i don't think you have anything else to say but i was never really outwardly opposed to seeing it it was just never 
Right. I didn't think that a, a remake or anything could add anything to it that I hadn't already seen in the original. Sure. You know? But it's not like as visceral in a version as like the uh, old boy remake or something, right? Where it's like sure, insulting right. to hear that they even did that. <laughs> Correct. It, it's like okay, like I like like old, like hearing old boy remake is insulting. Like it hurts at a core level. Um, let the right one in to let me in. It's like I mean I get it, but. Yeah, I mean, like, like I, I, I like yeah, yeah. let the right one in, but it's not like a. It doesn't feel like blasphemy for someone to say like, "Let's try it with our own spin or whatever." Sure, I don't know necessarily right. that's what happened here, but you know, um, I'm not so yeah, so I'd never seen the I'd never seen the English one until yesterday. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so. Okay, I guess because like they're pretty much. Almost identical. Uh, outside of themes. Yeah, like, outside, outside of, themes, of themes and, and le- certain scenes that have been extended or cut. They leave like, out, it, yeah, in the English one, they yeah. they change the framing around some scenes, and they leave out one scene in particular that changes, I think, the entire tenor of the movie. Um, or they they take a thing that was mostly subtext in the Swedish movie, and they totally removed that from the English one, and it's what uh, which subtext are you? Well, it's it's not even subtext because they basically show it. Maybe it's done like more metaphorically, but in the in the Swedish mean... one, it's pretty obvious that this is a this is a very this is an older woman in a twelve year old's body, right? Oh, okay. Well, because they, they show a scene. I don't. Is this okay to yes. talk about now? So they show a scene in the Swedish one where Ellie and Oscar kiss and then it cuts for a second. Well, for longer than a second, it lingers. Ellie's face is suddenly that of a much older woman. And then it comes back right. to young Ellie and then they pull out, right? Or, ugh, it yeah. froze that poorly. Um, pulls away and they're done kissing. In the American one, they just kiss. It never shows her like as an older woman. I think what they're doing there is trying to be like, in the American one, it's cool. These are both definitely kids. Nothing too weird to think about here, guys. Sure. In the, in the Swedish one, I think they're leaning more into the, like, yeah, she's, well, she's, so, she's an adult. What's interesting is that in the novel that this all comes from, uh, Ellie's gender is um, androgynous. Oh, interesting. Like, okay. like so uh, initially in the novel, uh, Ellie is presented as an androgynous boy who is castrated by a vampire. Whoa. That was... And... I, I didn't notice that they, like, were, the, they were... Yeah. Pretty chill about that in the Swedish one. She kept on being like, what if I wasn't a girl? And Oscar's just like, yeah, fine, whatever. I was like, whoa, this movie... Well, they do that in the American one, too. Yeah, but they kind of... They... I don't know. It felt like they... I know they had the same scene, but it felt like in the American one, she's like way quicker... They kind of like his answer is a little different. I think it's still like accepting, but it's more like dismissive. I guess like Oscar. Sure, Oscar seems uh pretty uh, unfazed by basically anything Ellie wants to tell him in a in a good right. way. I guess you know he's just like ready to accept it. Um. Yeah. Um. Th- so there's some major. So the novel. Uh, which all this is based off of had some big differences that the movie and stuff that the movies did not. Um, one of them is that Ellie is an androgynous boy who was castrated by a vampire. Uh, also, um, the 
older father figure who hangs out with Ellie, like the boyhood friend turned into uh, familiar, for lack of a better term. Yeah, her uh, Renfield, uh, basically. Right. In the book, he's actually a pedophile. Yeah, I thought he was in the fucking... I thought it was pretty... Well, not clear, but that's definitely the vibe you get, at least in the Swedish one, is that, like, they were romantically involved at some point. Um, right. But, like, this is, like, he's still do like... But now he's, he's sort of, like... Yeah. So, do they, like, in the book, is he, like, also going and hunting kids on his own or something? Uh, um, I've never read the book, so I was actually able to just pull up... I have this thing pulled up, and it's let the right one in comparisons from like screenplay to book to movie sure um so the care like the pedophile (laughs) traits were toned down they were left open to interpretation and uh the film was not allowed to or they didn't believe the film should deal with a serious theme that they couldn't break down as well as they did in the book because in the book it's like it's pedophilia but it's also like well it's pedophilia towards this vampire girl or boy who is centuries old. So it's technically not, but it is. And yeah, they and deal like with a, like a nuanced take. And it's a person that like they met when they were children of correct similar looking ages at that point too. And like, at least the way I read it, right. it was like they were romantically involved as kids. He got getting right. older. The same way. Yeah, basically Oscar is going to turn into this guy in like 50 years. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the big takeaway. And then like the... <clears throat> Another difference I noticed is they made a, they made the Ellie character like, what was her name Abby in the English language one? Yes, she's like way less uh, abusive slash manipulative in the English language one. She's more of just like, you know, unimpeachable kind of. She eats because she has to, but like Ellie is. Like they, so they still have the scene where Abby slash Ellie is like yelling at that downtrodden bald guy for having right. up killing that yes. dude in the woods, right? But like, yes, in the Swedish one, they show us that whole scene in the room, um, where Ellie is like flipping out at him and being like, "Do I have to go and take care of this my fucking self?" And then in the English language right. one, we have like a I can't remember the kid's name, Oscar Standen's perspective, and I was watching it with subtitles. And so it has that part where Abby is yelling, but it has it subtitled as man's voice, colon, and then the line, which was weird and also a lie. But like they really, you know, they change her voice a lot when she's mad in the same way they really play yeah. up the more like to a cheesy degree, in my opinion, the sort of animalistic qualities that happens when she's like under the, when she's got her bloodlust. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um See, I wasn't aware this came from a novel originally. I found out this came from a novel when I was doing my... So I'll watch the movies, and then after I watch both movies, I'll do some research. Like, I'll do some deep dive research, and Mm. I'll listen to interviews, and I'll go back and find numbers. And so I didn't know this was... This was like... I found out it was a novel as soon as I started digging into this. So I'm like, oh, shit, this is... So yeah, there's an entire thing here that I'm sure is missing from the movie. You know, like... Um, yeah, well, I liked like the there Swedish are one. some like they a were... lot of like. Sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. In the Swedish one, like you were saying, it seems like maybe they're not as direct with stuff, but they're still leaving willing to leave things like up to the audience at points. In the English one, I felt like they didn't want any of that ambiguity hanging out, so they either like totally remove stuff or change the framing in a way that made it more clear what they wanted you to believe. 
well, this is kind of interesting, right? Like, in it, it, th- this is this comes down to like American filmmaking. You've said in the past, most Amer- like most American films don't trust their audiences. Like most American films have to be like, this is what's happening. This is what we're doing. That's why we liked the Invisible Man remake so much because it's like. No, they're trusting you to like pay attention. They're trusting you to figure it out. They trust you with the yeah. unsaid or As, uh, like unknown parts. International like movies, bad, bad more American times movies. than not, will no. do that. Yeah, and this is a this is a like good more times of, than not. Yeah, of the movie being like cleaned up for American audience too. I guess like. It gets a lot more puritanical, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's still a movie about like a little kid falling in love with a vampire, but. <laughs> They, uh... Well, so interestingly enough, um, in, in terms of like Americanizing, right? Uh, the scene where uh, Ellie slash Abby enters the house uninvited to show mm-hmm. what happens. Yeah. Uh, originally, they wanted to omit that from the film, but uh, the screenplay writer, who also is the novelist's writer, was adamant that it had to be included. And they realized that in post-production, the sound effects and music, and I quote this, made it American in a bad way. And the scene had to be removed uh, to, like, it had to be removed, and then they had to rework it. Hmm. Weird. I wonder, like, I wonder what that means, American in a bad way. Maybe it was, like, too... I mean, I think I know. Like, I think I get it. Maybe it was, like, too, like, gory or something? I I think the... What we saw... I think what we saw in Let Me In when uh, Abby is in yeah. the house bleeding and like the music and everything, I think that's what they meant by American in a bad way. It's like, like America has this very much like, oh, it has to be a certain, like there has to be an emotional thing. So we're going to put music over it and we're going to make it flashy and we're going to make it a standout scene. And it was like, I guess they're like if they're, I think the scenes like, are framed very you know, differently, like in the American one, right. Abby walks in or shot from, it's shot from far away looking at her in the front and then in let the right one in. It's like, we're basically looking at like the back of Ellie's shoulder and neck and like the back of her scalp as we see like more subtle blood start to happen. Right. Hmm. Um, with American movies and like most for like, I've, I've seen a lot of Swedish movies. I've seen a lot of Japanese movies, Korean movies, TV shows, all that there is a certain level of trust they give with their movie audience to let thing like uh, international films aren't scared to let a scene be um, interpreted or they aren't scared to let a lot of like, Oh, well obviously a equals C without any in between. Like you, yeah. you're, you're, you're watching this year. You're, you're smart. There could but American some, movies like, don't do that. There could be like some selection bias too. Like maybe it's the international movies that are like good enough to break out. Also have some of that. Cause like, it's definitely not a thing that all American movies do, but I definitely noticed no. that it's really blatant where they're like, Hey, did you see that? Like sure. To the, to the point where it can be frustrating, right? Where like for a second, I think I noticed something that will be important. And then they're like, just checking in to make sure you notice this thing that will be important. And I'm like, well now I feel right. good or about it, it. I mean, a really egregious one was like the street fighter remake with all the um, <laughs> exposition from Chun Lee. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, you're not you're, you're doing all tell you're not showing and letting us put the pieces together yeah. and i don't want every movie i watch to be like some you know da vinci code level film that i'm like p- 
piecing everything together secretly, but there is a certain level of like unsaid movie making art that I'm like, okay, like I, I from from like me being a person who has watched movies before, I understand what they're trying to show here or what they're trying to present. A good plant and payoff is like very satisfying if it's subtle and you notice it also. Less satisfying right. if they're like, hey guys, get a load of this. Uh, yeah. No, hard, hard agree. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I definitely let the right one in feels more like an artistic film and let me in feels more like a movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. It like to me, yeah, it felt like they were thinking like maybe we have this art movie, let's make it less of an art movie and give it more sort of wide appeal so we can put it out around Halloween or something. I don't know if it actually came out right. around Halloween or not, but so let the right one in. Uh its budget was roughly 4 million American. That makes sense. It's basically just an apartment box. building and then a <laughs> and then a rec center. <laughs> box office take eleven. Nice. All right, Sweden. Not bad, right? Let me in. Budget was twenty million. Oof, yeah. Box office was twenty four million. Wow. Okay. So it made less money than the original. Cool. It did, and I think that's because a lot of people had maybe seen the original more. I- I remember the or like from by the time, that point, and they were pretty, they were pretty yeah. unanimous in this being like an inferior version of the original. Um. um. Now, now you and I have talked about we had the, our Dracula episode, and we talked about the whole thing of like vampires being, uh, you know, like these swarthy blood suckers, and it was kind of xenophobic in creation and all that. But let the right one in. This one, this is a more subversive vampire movie. Yeah, it's like she's definitely like afflicted by this thing. It's not a good time for her. Right. And they might it's, have to fit uh, in all the vampire tropes. Yeah. Like the, the rules that Most we know apply uh, generally. We, yeah, we don't see if garlic works or not. But like, Right. No garlic, no mirrors, no, no silver. But the two no big crosses, ones are sunlight. Yeah. Is like sunlight blood and then uh the invitation the part, uh, right? the invitation yeah. which the invitation i i enjoy because it is such an abstract yeah rule and like, I re- it, it doesn't i like them showing their own version of like the i guess enforcement mechanism or whatever like she just starts to bleed all over and will die i've seen other ones where they like physically are unable to enter and if you revoke your welcome while they're in the house it sucks them out the front door <laughs> i think that <helps>. right <laughs> And then in the Lost Boys, they can come in regardless. But if you invite them in, then they actually have their full power retained. Yeah, or like uh, this one reminded me a lot. So like, there's that scene where Ellie like eats candy to like appease this to appease oh, yeah. Oscar or the other. Yeah, guy. and ends up throwing yeah the digestive up. system. It reminded me so much. It's like a less hilarious version of that scene from what we do in the shadows, where the new vampire eats some French fries and they show him like projectile vomiting oh. all over the place. <laughs> yeah it's like i wouldn't do that why uh, then... yeah um let the right one in see i saw it like i didn't see it when it came out but i saw it within the year it came out 
and uh yeah i was like this is a really cool vampire movie like this yeah. is super subdued it, it like yeah it's like, subdued it it's subtle um there it is do one like winter you know like winter time in they're in they're out like outside of stockholm i think right and, yeah like, kind of dark and snowy most of the time um the setting they're in is really cool i like that all of them it's like a small community where we basically see like there's the apartment complex that we see and then we see that group of like five friends that are through happenstance being picked off by this vampire that scene where the woman oh, is right. infected and she comes back in and gets attacked by all the cats was so cool i was really pissed they yeah. removed that i know i because there's a uh alicia was like i've never seen the original i'm like oh i've seen the original i haven't seen the american one so there was stuff when i was watching the american one i'm like like where are the cats like oh they're doing like the the woman who gets turned accidentally like that happens way quicker than like the mo- like the swedish version and she turns and is killed accidentally right like in the swedish one she turns she hangs out for a while she has a real bad time she kind of figures out what's and going then she, on. she ends up in the hospital and she like commits suicide via sunlight. yeah right <clears throat> in the american one it's like oh my god yeah uh, she's sucking her Angelina. own blood out of her wrist because she's so yeah which, i was like that can't, and then like she work. sets like big of a loophole for vampires that that makes no sense the, well i mean they explain that in that vampire movie daybreakers like if you feed on your own blood you degenerate into like a lesser form of a vampire oh is that what that you degenerate into, and, and, have, and so there's an awesome vampire movie there's an awesome vampire movie called daybreakers and they actually describe like if a vampire feeds on its own blood it degenerates into basically like this fucked up like hobgoblin little vampire thing it loses the ability to talk it just becomes this straight up like feral animal so like that's cool um but yeah like there's a few things there's a few like even the relationships between some of the characters in the swedish to american one i'm like i kind of like the swedish relationships more like i I like the subtleness Yeah, like the so the relationship between Ellie and the older guy, I can't remember his name, is like way different. They don't have a lot of interactions in either movie, but they really changed the tenor of them from the into the American one, right? Where he's like it seems like maybe he is the more abusive of the pair in the American one. He's at least like kind of had it with her shit, it seems like, and he's there, but he's got like some agency. In the Swedish one, this dude is just like super fucking downtrodden. It seems like he he's been right. like sort of browbeaten into this like into this thing where you know he's just like mopey as shit all the time, and he's like <laughs> kind of like resigned to his duty. They made the American one his whole thing where he's got like this serial killer persona is very odd to me. Like, why is he? That first guy in, he tries in the to American kill, one, he's it, wearing that trash bag. Yeah. We're like, why the trash bag? And then you take it off at the weirdest time. In the American one, it definitely does seem like he is more of a serial killer. I think they. Whereas it, it, in the Swedish one, it's more of like this is his work. Like he yeah, doesn't exactly. have a choice. Like he's they, yeah. That, that first kill, right? Where it's like I don't remember exactly how it happens in the American one. Oh, he goes and hides in the back of a car. That's like his mo. Yeah, which, it almost never works. It's great. I don't know how he's still alive at this point. Um, but like, yeah, he is like, he's like into it in that one. It seems like, 
in the in the Swedish one, yeah, I like the him walking on that path, and he, the guy's like, "What's that?" He goes, "Oh, it's a uh, halothane. Uh, have you heard of this?" And he gasses him. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's like that was great. That makes a lot of sense. That you know, he's an old guy, not super mobile. Like you can see him genuinely struggling with a lot of this stuff in in that one, which is good. I think they they tried to lean into all of the horror aspects a lot more in the American one. Like or to try and, they tried to make them more sensational, right? Like the way that Abby moves anytime in that Ab- one is anytime so Abby attacks. Bad. Yeah, it's so cheesy yeah. and bad. It's you can you, any, you any, yeah. the CGI stands out so terribly in those scenes because it's so it jarring. Does. Um her makeup is cool. Oh yeah. Like when yeah. they show her like the makeup is cool, but yeah, there I like there is something to be because at this point, where do we go with vampire lore, right? And at the time in two thousand eight, like everyone was doing the same like leather vampire trench coat Dracula, and let the right one comes out, and it's this totally subdued, subversive take on vampire lore and myth and it was refreshing like every now and then we get like a pocket of refreshing vampire fiction that's like ah yeah like yes and then leave it to america to be like you know what we need americanism and then you know we get you know taika waititi it's a i don't remember if it was like an interview i don't remember what the context of the interview was but he was talking about writing uh what we do in the shadows i said that movie took like 10 years to get to like finally be produced but he said it actually like worked really well for him because he started making it like right before there was like sort of peak vampire saturation and it stayed in production for so long that like this wave had come and people were tired of vampires this is like peak the what or yeah tired of vampires and then there had been enough time by the time the movie finally came out to where like a goofy like spoof movie about vampires was kind of what everyone wanted i mean and 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 in terms of that like yeah what we do in the shadows is it's great it's honestly one of the better vampire movies even if it's a parody it's still great yeah it nails all those tropes and it's uh like in a really yeah in a really fun way and it's people who like not like those not like the meet the spartans kind of spoof it's like people who right. genuinely like the source material they're just kind of making they're like poking right. fun at the funny parts. Like Ellie could have been one of those two kids in downtown Auckland or wherever they are, where they're like, "What are you up to?" Like, "Oh, we're catching pedophiles." <laughs> <laughs> so, absolutely right. Ellie could have been one of those two kids. Yeah, absolutely. We're catching pedophiles. <laughs> it's like Latini's a genius, man. It's I like okay short short thing. What we do in the shadows though. One of my favorite parts in that is we're talking about how Vladislav used to be hype, like super strong and all this, mm-hmm. and how he got in the fight with a beast and lost some of his power. But I love when he's like at the window of that guy and he's like see see me, and then he like hits the window with he his fist, taps on it with his weird ring. <laughs> Yeah, Vladislav's whole character is great. Him only being able to turn to that weird cat where his head is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Ah, good stuff. Um, But 
when you see a vampire movie, you expect things like that. You expect more things like that. Like we're akin to Dracula. We're akin to like Twilight where, um, and, and let the right one in doesn't really, it almost denies a lot of like what you want from a vampire movie. Like if you sit down with a vampire movie, there, there's a few things that you're like, yeah. And this one, it's a, it's a slow burn. Like it gets to a while before you see her actually like drink any blood. There's no real like charm or sophistication. There's no real like eroticism. There's no real like cool vampire lines she has. There's nothing. It really like denies all of that. She starts a hair metal band and then like goes crazy (laughs) famous nationally. Yeah. Queen of the damn shade. Um, uh, yeah, so this was really... Uh, I, I still think that Let the Right One In is a good movie. I I, I still... Yeah. Th- like, I hadn't watched it since the first time. So watching it again, I'm like, man, this still was, feels like an art film. Like, really it, it Im- still feels like a film that's respecting what it's doing. It's really impressive. And there's still parts where, like... Okay, so there's still parts where... I- genuinely don't know what was going on like so there's a when oscar goes to his dad's house um yes and then they're having a great time together and then it's nighttime and then like oscar's dad's buddy comes over and the mood shifts instantly like did you notice that too i was i was was like is this guy a fucking pedophile like what is going on because like the dad gets super somber oscar will not make (laughs) eye contact with this guy um, and then it's just like the dad and that guy drinking. I was super skeeved out by that scene. I'm it, assuming it that that got lost in the book. Yeah, the this is me like reading into it a bunch. But I was like, is this dude like abusing Oscar or used to abuse Oscar? And the dad knows but isn't doing anything about it or something. It was, I was baffled by that scene. I don't, yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe because then there's even a scene out. where like. There's even, like there's even that thing where he's like, "Dad, can it just be us?" Or he's like, "He's yeah. a guest," and he you know, like, it's very clear that you know things are not okay. Um, like I, the dad doesn't look happy about it. Yeah, I don't. That whole <laughs> that whole scene was weird to me, and it doesn't really get explained at any point. It was just like I feel like that got vibes. lost in the book. Like I, I feel like if you read the book, that would be it. Would either be more clear or more stretched out. Um, I think there were more but you're, sort you're, of like subtle. Yeah pedophilia themes happening in the Swedish one. Um, sure. It's definitely like in the like, hey, you can't think about <laughs> the the, the, the main like I don't know, just the movie, the thrust, like the main sort of thing is that it's this, you know, older woman trapped in a young girl's body. It's impossible not to think about that while she's romancing a right. 12-year-old and like knowing right. Me, doing all kinds of, yeah That's like thorny. and her like how like, how old are you 12 yeah. but how old are you More really 12 but i've been 12 for a long time yeah. i love oscar's response yeah where she's like 12 more or less how old are you 12 years eight months nine days what do you mean more or less when's your birthday <laughs> yeah like that's a thing too like like the character of oscar or owen and let me oh, in, that's right yeah um a mature child. Yeah, I feel. I feel like in uh, I don't know. In let the right one in. He seems like 
I, I don't know if I would say mature. He's definitely like having a rough time. I think he's just sort of willing to accept kindness wherever it's coming from at that point because like his life's kind of a mess, right? The first scene we see him in is him in his bedroom pretending to stab his bully uh, or like living out that <laughs> that fantasy of stabbing his bully to death. Right. Um, he's having a bad time. But he's also he's just like super right. accepting of LA, which is cool. I'm uh, really concerned about her. He's like, because I think he is spotting that weird relationship between her and the older man and being like, well, there's something not right here. I think he might recognize some like personal dynamics that he's experienced going on there. He's very concerned sure. the entire time, which is. And then like, nice. yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> let the right one in has like the, the subversive, like, okay. We like, there is pedophilia tones of pedophilia, Right. There are tones of child abuse. There are even tones of like trans rights or like trans identification, right? Yeah, that's what it. Well, that's what it was. Yeah, it seemed like to me. Because like even let's say you let's say you went in this movie not knowing it was a vampire movie, right? Yeah, and that entire to... conversation of like, would you like me even if I wasn't a girl? And that gets brought up one more time before we get to the vampire stuff. He, so like Yeah, he it's I it, think when it's the second time when he's asking if she wants to go steady and he she says like uh, but yeah. I'm not a girl. Right. Right. And that's and that that's after she kills uh her older keeper in the hospital. Right. Yeah. Like Man. okay, then we get that, but the fact that she reiterates it twice and in the American one directly after like what do you mean you're not a girl? What are you? And she goes I'm nothing. Oh, okay, like there are yeah. some themes here. There are some lines. There's some, but there are definitely some larger themes at play. That whether it's us putting that filter over it or whether it's intended, um, it, it still invokes these ideas. Yeah, and I I don't have a lot of like specific examples in mind, but it like it seemed like the American one was like less willing to sort of let that stuff hang out in the air, like. I got sure. the the American one was weird because it's it's longer, but to me at least it also felt like really rushed at the same time, like they're right. like really moving through stuff quickly. The dialogue is like way faster. There's a lot of like plaintive silence when when Oscar and Ellie speak in the in the Swedish one, right? Like lots of like right. They're like speaking at low volumes, lots of pauses. But like the first scene where you see Abby in the movie where she just like she appears on the on the jungle gym sort of like silently out of nowhere. They introduce themselves and then like really quickly out of nowhere. She's like, I can't be your friend. Um, right. And then I was like, I know it's the exact same dialogue, but it just feels cheesy in the American one. I don't know. Why now? So let the right one in. It's a romance movie. But it's also a coming-of-age movie from Oscar's perspective. Yeah. I mean, like, like in, a, in a way, he, like, this is his coming-of-age. Like, it starts with him being scared of his bullies, be, like, fantasizing about killing his bullies, to confronting his bullies, dealing with his parents' emotion, like, having this emotional thing with his parents go on, to him leaving on his own. 
Now, regardless of how those events happened, if you took out the vampire aspect and you just had that story as a kid going from that step to the end step, that's a that's a coming of age like growth story. I'm gonna I'm gonna propose a different <laughs> a different way to look at these events. Uh, Oscar is ba- like more or less kind of being groomed by this adult who looks like a child uh, in some pretty uncomfortable ways if you're thinking about her actual age and like emotional intelligence level. I'm not totally sure. Maybe there's something here about like she still has a 12-year-old brain and 12-year-old brain chemistry and maybe that's some of it or something. Sure. But, so there's they like imprint on each other pretty heavily. Oscar on her, definitely. And then right as she's sort of like the usefulness of her previous Renfield is running out. He's like really getting this kid indebted to her. She murders all of <laughs> like he's underwater and she murders three kids around him. I know they're probably going to do something well, fucked up to him. And I mean, they, they were drowning him. Well, you know, just for three minutes and he still, he was pretty, he was pretty chill, but he popped up, you know, it's also, it's weird to me. They changed that one too. Oscar's eyes are closed the entire time while all this like viscera is happening right. around him. And then, Owen is just like watching. Well, he was almost dying. Like he he was almost dying, and in, in in let the right one in, he was on the verge of death. That's why his eyes were closed. Like it was he was shutting down. It was done. Maybe I don't know. He wasn't like when he comes up. He's not like gasping for air or anything, is he? Uh, I mean, he's kind of yeah. He's like there with his like head resting on the cement, and he's like gasping. He's like taking well, as much air in as he can. Either way. Anyway, this this woman has just murdered all of his problems away, and now they're like fleeing this fucking crime scene together. And this sure. kid is in for I, I, a rough go of it. I'm what? not making any allowance. I'm not making any like allowances, and I'm not making any uh, escapes for this. But in terms like, of like him fighting, he starts out confronting his bullies. bullies. Yeah, yeah part, like he gets his confidence. That's some, he that's some good growth, but I still like. I don't know. I, I, I feel is, like, like a bummer for me. Like we know what's gonna uh, happen. He's gonna end up dousing himself in acid and dying by throwing himself right. out a hospital window. You know, <laughs> right? Like of, of there is no happy ending in in this particular story. No but happy in in in, in an individual piece, yeah. Like just the, the story of movie. Oscar on his own. Yeah, it, it like it's a romance. It's a story they, of growth. They do um, show him and like Ellie sort of playing house. I guess you would call it. But like they're like aping adult stuff, right? They like they have that night where they're hanging out. They put on the record, and then she's like wearing his mom's old dress and stuff. Right. They're dancing around. Um, he does a little peeping tomfoolery. That also right. He sees the he sees the scene. Of, yeah, <laughs> that was, he sees the scene that America would not want to film. Oh, of course not. No fucking way. Uh, also, like the way they did that in the American one was weird too, right? Because they definitely show. There's a scene where Oscar's looking through the bathroom door at the exact time that this scene is happening. You know, it's the same scene basically, but we just see him look in and then look away real quick. But they also had that part right. The, the early on in the movie, Owen's in his room like rear windowing people, looking yes, through that telescope. He, <laughs> <laughs> he see, yeah, he almost sees Angelina and her boyfriend have sex. He yeah, and he definitely sees yeah. at least one boob. You know. And then it's not totally right. clear to me if Angelina saw that or not, but she definitely makes some weird eye contact with him throughout the rest of the movie until she becomes a vampire and dies. Right. But like, why? Why do we need this? 
I think they're maybe they're, they're trying to say that like Owen is this is like this is okay. Um, I think they might be being like, see, Owen is like he's curious about girls too, so he's like, sure. We don't have to explicitly say it, but the fact that there's like, he's like ready to be interested in girls right. or romantic and he's, partners. He, I guess. he's twelve. That's about right for for like the you kind know. of stuff they show in this movie, which is all very innocent. Just, I mean, if you remove the sort it, of it, it's innocent, the weird, it's innocent. If you remove, <laughs> you remove some of the weirder like supernatural facts around stuff. Then, right. Yeah, there's nothing like super crazy going on you know no one's like bj and each other or anything um, right yeah no weird weird change i totally yeah well i saw that scene in the swedish one i was like yeah there's no way this is happening in the american one and then i watched the american right one, and i was like yep correct okay so you saw the american one you said you've soured on it how did you sour on it well i think i watched it the first time and thought like yeah this was pretty good I don't know why, why everyone's so pissed off about this movie. And then I watched, so like, and then, you know, that was 10 years, would have been like 10 years ago probably when I saw it. And sure. Now, so I sat down and watched them both. And I do, the thing I normally do is I'll just watch the original one first every time, basically. Um, so I watched, yeah, the Swedish one. I was like, wow, this movie is like actually pretty amazing. It's really good. And like the cinematography is beautiful. I like all the, the pacing's really really well done the dialogue's all really good the character interactions and dynamics are great and it's like a tight little movie right there's basically seven people in it sure and we follow all of them around and then so like I, all the stuff that i really liked about that movie is kind of like gone in the like they do a lot of the same scenes but they're not shot as well like the scene where ellie attacks that dude under the little bridge the first time right sure and it's like, it's a kid, she's strong, but it's a kid attacking an adult. And then you do the same right. scene in Let Me In, where it's it's like supernatural right. beast girl killing this guy in the foot tunnel. <laughs> um, I don't, like, yeah, sort of everything I liked about the Swedish movie was either, like, amped up in a really cheesy way in the American one, or, like, removed. Or, like, had the so... subtlety set of sanded off the edge of it. There, like, there's a whole, like, there's a whole uh, Morse code thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like Oscar and Oscar and Owen teach uh, Ellie uh, slash Abby Morse code so they can communicate through the wall. Now, before I broach this, would you do you believe that everything in Let the Right One In is intention, like, is written with intent? Like, there's a purpose, there's a point. Do do you believe that? Well, how do you, how do you mean? Like, okay. At, at the end of the movie, when they're on the train, Ellie taps the word kiss in Morse code. Okay. Oh, okay. Oscar taps small kiss. Hmm. Like, so if everything in this movie is intent and everything was written with intent, why wouldn't he just tap back kiss? Why would he tap small kiss? Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe like that might be showing a like, bit of at, him at, not being that, totally bought into the scenario too. Right, yeah. like this, because in the American one, Ellie taps kiss and Owen taps back, or Abby taps kiss and Owen taps hug and kiss. Weird. Okay. In Maybe. the Swedish one, it's it's specifically small kiss. 
Maybe Whereas Ellie it, does kiss. Maybe it's a weird translation thing because presumably they're typing out Swedish words with the with the sure. English alphabet, right? Sure. Well, I so I, I had to look this up, and that's why I know it's small kiss. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because I, I was really I'm like because in in the American one they had the translation for you, right? Like anytime they do, uh, anytime they do Morse code, they have it for you. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't so, is, so when he did hug and kiss, I'm like, okay. And then I went back and I'm like, oh. And then I was curious because in my research, I came across this, and that's one of the distinctions between the books and the movie. That it's that, specifically small kiss. That is interesting. I don't know how. One thing about the Swedish version of this movie is there are a lot of continuity errors in it, and a lot of just sort of like uh, <laughs> parts where you're like, oh, that was a little whoopsie do. Like there's this, that scene in the at the rec center at the end when the bullies walk into the pool, you can see there's those big bay windows in the back. You can see the entire filmmaking crew in the reflection of those windows. Right. There's a, there's a few scenes where like people's clothes will change mid scene. They show Ellie wearing a dress in the in like early on in the movie that is the dress she gets from Owen from Oscar's mom later on in the movie. So there's like. It's hard to tell. I mean, maybe, you know, that that part sounds like more deliberate, like tapping that out, but it could also be like kind of a little whoopsie do or something. I don't know. That seemed deliberate. Maybe it's open for interpretation, but to me, if you're taking it face, I would read like maybe he's not super bought into it. Maybe he's realizing that being with someone who can rip the head off a 14-year-old is going to be kind of a weird power dynamic. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, so like, okay. In the book, it's a centuries old boy, right? Now, even if you're mentally, like neurologically forever a 12 year old, that's still a 12 year old. Yeah. Right. You still have 12 year old brain chemistry on top of like the centuries you've been alive. Yeah. Hundreds of years of experiences for sure. Yeah. Like you've been through pain, remorse, heartbreak a million times over. You've been like, by then you've probably gotten over the fact the universe will die before you as long as you stay out of the sun. Right? Like mm-hmm. there's some massive thoughts and like theories and just experiences that the character of Ellie slash Abby yeah. has just won't even ever revisit because they don't uh, emotionally, they don't need to. And Oscar slash Owen only has 60, 70 years, maybe 80, 90. Yeah, he's basically a border like, collie tour. Like a very, right. very, very smart companion, <laughs> but just not on your level. <laughs> right. Like at all. So <laughs> like there's a romance thing. There's like the power dynamic. There's just like the knowledge alone. Even if a 12 year old knowledge, like we're talking multiple languages, we're talking countries, we're talking like history and I mean, there will never be a balance of power in that dynamic. I'm not even going to say a relationship in that dynamic. Yeah. I mean, maybe some of it too. Like Oscar looks pretty dynamic. content when he's I don't on care that. if they're friends, if they're dating, if they're familiars. There's never going to be anywhere close to a balance. Yeah. And I think like Oscar looks pretty contented on that train when they're leaving. There might be some of him like striking off on his own or like wanting to branch out or something. Two, is he kind of... I guess we don't know a lot about his life leading up to this point, but it like hasn't been great. So, you know, the change could be good for him, but I don't know how like 
what kind of weird bonding happens between him and Ellie. And she's had a lot of opportunities at this point to like create other vampires if she wanted to. It seems pretty clear that's not really her MO. Sure. You know? Right. Which, I mean, I guess is a good thing. Because it, it shows that she's not like... Oh. I mean, Dracula had like, created some. Lestat created some. Daybreakers, it's a vampire like controlled society. So the fact that she's not willing to spread her plague or her affliction or that she's not willing to pass on her gift, right? It, she's not malevolent. There, there's no, um, there's no malice. There's no or, intent to make the world like me or to, you know, it doesn't, or, it doesn't have that. Or it shows that she's like not willing to be with someone on an equal playing field. Sure, I don't. But I never got like, I don't know. I I didn't. I feel like maybe in let me in, she wouldn't be on an even playing field. But in if Abby probably Ellie, I think Ellie doesn't want to spread the like spread the disease. It maybe. seems like Ellie is more yeah, like you said earlier, Ellie is more afflicted by this. It seems like in let the right one in, it's more of a. This is a disease. I like I'm, I am, I, I am plagued by this. I get kind of. I think she is like she's clearly not having an awesome time, but she's got her like her hands around it pretty well. There's a few times where she loses control, but like and let me in. It seems like way more of a Doctor Jackal and Mister Hyde kind of thing, where like she like she sees blood and she turns into an animal, basically, right? Like her right. eyes change and she's growling and her voice gets all ethereal and weird. Uh, and let the right one in. She's kind of like, we always hear that sort of like animalistic, like purring almost. I don't kind of sounds like a dog breathing heavily or like trying to eat peanut butter sometimes. But I don't, don't, Ellie just like has way more agency. Well, yeah, I don't know. She's like more in control of her life in let the right one. in. it seems like, right. Like she's like, she, there's a few scenes where it's like she's walking, she's always like walking in front of the older dude and he's kind of like carrying her shit around for her. He's really right. browbeaten. And let me in. I don't know. It's like that dynamic, the dynamic between the older man and the little vampire is like way different and it informs Ellie's character in a different way, I think. I don't know. She seems a lot more sort of like in control or subtly like emotionally manipulative. There's that part where the dude is like getting ready to go kill again, but he's having a real rough time <laughs> like getting prepped to do it. And this is like, sure. she, and she shows affection to him the one time in the movie, right? She touches his cheek very briefly. And then that like gets him to go and do his thing. Um, they also like the way he dies, I feel like is framed a little differently, right? Like, and he ends up in the hospital in both, but like in right. the right one in, it seems like he is still like in his last moments, still going to be like in service to her. He like opens up where is, and just like leans his right. neck. Whereas like the, yeah. And let me in. It seems more of like, I'm tying up a loose end. Yeah. Like he doesn't want to get her in trouble. Maybe. I don't know. Or like, he's willing to take the fall, but like literally. Yeah. Literally. And they also, it seems like really arbitrary, but I think it 
maybe wasn't they have him not hit that shipping container on the way down and let me in and they do and let the sure. right one in i think that's maybe showing just like how readily or like how easy it was to sort of like he is you know just cast off he's like no no use to sure one anymore and it's sort of like throwing away like trash i don't know i don't know i have yeah i just have a like kind of a different read on all of this i think it's a really she's a really good character i just don't think she's entirely benevolent i don't think she's but be- I-, I didn't say benevolent I don't believe that she is benevolent, but I don't think she is. Uh, I don't think she's a malevolent force. I don't think she is like the supreme evil that Dracula is. Or I don't like compared to her. Like compared to her vampire counterparts, I don't think she is. Oh, like other sure. She, I mean, she really right. She really fucked up that friend group of five older people. They're never gonna right, be the same. but she didn't make them vampires. She did. You know, she didn't intentionally make them vampires. Yeah. Not intentionally. You know. Yeah. Um, I mean. So there is also a comic book of this called Let Me In Crossroads. And the book is a, the comic book is a prequel to the film. And the first issue has Abby and her guardian facing a ruthless real estate tycoon who wants to steal their home. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, uh, the uh, Lindquist, John Al- Alva. Alvid Lindqvist. I'm butchering that name and I apologize. He's the one who wrote the book and the movie. Oh, he wrote, he wrote the original. Yeah, yeah. He wrote the original novel. Uh, and he said, nobody asked me about doing a comic and I think the project stinks. I'm looking into this matter and I hope I, ha- and I hope they have no rights to do this later. It was informed that he had unwillingly sold the rights for the comic to be made, stating the producers misinformed him as of the nature of the contract. Wow. Shit. That sucks. So he did say, however, he did say, however, he believes himself to be the luckiest writer alive because he has two excellent versions of his debut novel on the screen. Oh, so he said, let the right one in is a great Swedish film and let me in is a great American movie. There are notable spirits. uh, uh, There are notable similarities and the spirit of Thomas Alverson is present, but lets me in, puts the emotional pressure in different places, and stands firmly on its own legs. Like the Ooh. Swedish movie, it made me cry, but not at the same points. Let me in is a dark and violent love story, a beautiful piece of cinema, and a respectful rendering of my own novel, for which I am grateful. Does Owen... Sorry, sorry this just popped into my mind, but does Owen keep a weird little, like, decoupage book of murders that have happened around him, like, like Oscar does? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, like this, right? Like, he really Owen, is a seri- oh, yeah, because they're really even into that... it. Yeah, he's like, they have that cop giving yeah. the presentation, and Owen's like, well, it's you know, they knew he died because he didn't have any smoke in his lungs. And they're like, how did you know that? He's like, right, oh, read, read in books. He's like, what books? Just books, like, Oscar. And like, there, there's even that scene where Oscar's like, where Ellie's like, do you kill? Like, no, well, I think you'd like it if you could. Yeah, like Oscar's got a little, he's at least got a little bit of Wednesday Adams in him, right? He's like, he's got his scrapbook <laughs> of murders <laughs> that he's putting together. He's like into some morbid shit. Oh, fuck. Uh, you know, he would get along with the kid from 13 Ghosts. <laughs> yeah, they had both just <laughs> would... be super weird and innocent and not knowing what's going on around them. Yeah. Right. But I also feel like because of that, I feel like Ellie slash Abby is going to nurture 
Well, more Abby, because Oscar, Oscar uh, Owen doesn't seem like a little sociopath. Oscar totally seems like a sociopath. Yeah. Although Owen was wearing a mask while talk, like while murder, like while the, pretend murdering his mask, bullies. The mask edition is weird for sure. <laughs> they like they love but, the masks in America. Trash bags, yeah. serial killers, everything. I don't. Another but way to like, read that Oscar line, yeah. like you would want to kill too, is like she might be identifying a good Renfield for herself if she doesn't like. That's she, what I'm saying. Like me, she, like yeah. she's gonna nurture the wrong aspects yeah. of this kid's personality. What's like, fucked up too is like she's so much better at killing people than her helper is. Right? She does it like instantly. She just doesn't care about the cleanup after, but she still makes him go and right. do it. Makes him makes him go and clean up the body after she's <laughs> done it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I, I feel like the novel would, exp so also let the right one in takes place in like the time it was made. No, it let doesn't. me in takes place in 1983. Let the right one in also takes place in the eighties. Did it? Cause yeah. it definitely didn't seem like it. Well, how many cell phones did you see in that movie? Right. But I also didn't see many like eighties tropes as I didn't let me in. Maybe they're harder to recognize because it was happening in a small town in Sweden, but they're, uh, it was, I did. When I was reading about the continuity is it called out? Cause then let me in. It's based in New Mexico. Yeah. And this one's outside of Sweden, but if you type, oh, let the right, let the right one in. <laughs> Sorry. nineteen eighty. Oh, so, okay. So they're both set in the 80s. Man, yeah, 80s really Sweden 80s. looks very much like a... Uh, I think it looks like 50s still? Sweden and 2000s Sweden. There's just really, <laughs> yeah, good, right? really good sweaters that's... everywhere. That's the thing. That's those, what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't like timeless. none of that. None of that <laughs> screamed 80s either way. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, the record he puts on, the punk music that they're listening to is... Uh, it seems kind of 80s-ish. Is it... I don't remember... Which weird basement it's in, but there's a Clash poster up. Is that the is that the American one? Yes. Okay. And and the American one, they listen to David Bowie a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. Like let's dance is all over that. So like let's dance is all over that soundtrack. That's what's playing when the dude is pumping iron as he's being yeah. windowed by Owen, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, weird uh weird thing to have it take place in New Mexico. That also seemed like a strange choice, choice to me too. I was like, and I guess it's like really snowy there or something. I honestly had no idea. I seemed yeah, I don't know. I mean, and never once did anyone run a Jenny, you know, to get some power up. So yeah, I think that's a thing that happens in Barrow, not so much in <laughs> Yeah, well, in but a different, different days vampire of... movie. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Wet ass uh -huh. face yeah. Josh Hartnett. <laughs> um yeah it's uh so you wouldn't okay first time viewing let the right one in and now having like modern sensibilities seeing a bunch of vampire stuff what were like did you come away thinking like yeah this is really good or were you like nah. no i loved it i thought it was great i mean the but like the vampire parts of it seem almost secondary to everything else in the movie, right? It's like she sure she happens to be a vampire, and 
because we all sort of know about vampires, they're able to use tropes that we all know about in ways that people sort of like get right away what's going on, right? You know, sure. they need to drink blood. I mean, to the point where even Oscar, who's like not super on top of everything, is like, Ellie, are you a vampire? Right. And also, <laughs> one of the rare th- movies where like they just come out and say the they word, just ask, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they don't have to be like, no, like, technically, I'm called a, we're called something else that's right. exactly the same, but different for this movie. But even then, like, yeah. how many zombie movies are there where people just don't know what zombies are? Yeah. Yeah. It's in a way that is just fucking maddening. Um, it's like so in your reality in your movie zombies just don't exist like like that medium that horror thing doesn't exist at all but in the right like in let the right one in, it's like are you a vampire like we're establishing vampire fiction is there we know what it is we know the rules enough to where everyone is so culturally tied into like yeah vampires are a thing that you know i actually don't know if that's in the world of the movie so it's happening in the 80s in sweden right like bram stoker's director sure it's not even doesn't come out for 10 years. No, but vampires are still popular as hell, regardless. Well, I think, yeah, they're popular, but it makes sense for, like, for Owen to know about them specifically because he's into all this fucking morbid shit. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Oscar's like, the one who's keeping the murder diary. That's what I'm saying. Oh, sorry, I meant Oscar, not Owen. They're blending together in my head. Owen, I don't know. He just knows about vampires, I guess. He doesn't really seem to have a lot of a personality. But, uh... Like, no one else in the town, you know, they find, like, dead bodies with holes punctured in them. That woman who, like, sees the wound on her own neck, uh, I guess she, oh. she, she, and she, like, recoils from the sunlight, right? She's, like, very confused. Right, she knows. Because she even says, can you open the window for me? She knows by the end of it. She knows the sun hurts. Right. Yes. Yeah. That scene where she combusts is fucking awesome. So good. The American one, they catch a nurse on fire, too. I know, which, like, why? It's so unnecessary. I know, I'm, that's really <laughs> unnecessary. Gotta really step up the uh, stakes here. Random nurse. Like, like, she's on fire, a nurse is on fire. In this, it's just her in the bed and, like, the wall and ceiling. That's and a- nurse is still in the room. She just doesn't get engulfed yeah. in the flames. <laughs> um... So Let Me In uh, was released in the United States October 1st. Ah, it is a spooky time movie. Okay. <coughs> Let the Right One In was released uh, much later. Like much a later, year later, a in year. 2009. 2009, oh, in, it got released in America. In America. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, it was so hanging out in Sweden for 2008. Let Me In was released October 1st, 2010. And yes, let the right one in was released about a year before that in America. Yes, okay, yes, that's a quick turn now. Fucking remake. And an interesting thing, I did you notice the production company for Let Me In? Uh, was it? It's not Saban again, is it? It's Hammer, my friend. What is who's Hammer? What is this? Hammer, are they Hammer Horror? Is a fucking oh my god, Hammer Horror are like, are they like one of the schlock? sort of like outfits they oh from england in this like oh my god in the 60s and 70s they like curse of dracula curse of the blood of dracula frankenstein like all the fucking schlocky english horror stuff christopher lee is dracula in the 60s and 70s with peter cushion and all that yeah that was hammer horror all the fucking way so when i saw the hammer logo pop up i'm like what the fuck am i about to watch 
I thought Hammer went under. I had no idea that they had like gone under and gotten resurrected, and now they're back in the modern era making new movies. Is are they like? It's I totally sidelined under for a while and then came back or something because I'm looking at like the list yeah, of they, the movies yes. they made and it yeah they all stop in the mid 70s nothing's coming out yep <laughs> I guess they did a little bit of stuff in the 80s looks like but they may have like pivoted to not explicitly horror stuff war films yeah. cool comedies cool swashbucklers ooh okay so yeah, like Hammer vanished, and then they got resurrected at some point, and I'm just like, am I about to watch a fucking Hammer horror film? It uh, just like it blew my mind. I couldn't believe that I like I had wandered into a Hammer film. Yeah, you never expect it. I was just shocked. So the Hammer are back, unbeknownst to me. Uh, they've done a few other movies though. They did a movie called The Resident. They did The Woman in Black. They did The Quiet Ones, and they did The Lodge. I don't think I've seen any of those. Are all Hammer Horror films in the modern era. But yeah, I'm like, I, I, okay. Like, it just, I didn't even know. Weird seeing a Hammer Horror film come back. Um, I, I, in terms of like vampire horror, I didn't know what to think of let me in. Like, I, I believe my original prediction was right. Like I saw let the right one in. I didn't need to see let me in, let me in. If let the right one in didn't exist and let me in just existed on its own. I would have thought it was a great movie. Yeah, but it's definitely, it's just like a kind of worse version of a movie that already exists now. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, really. Americanized and not the best. Like a lot of the stuff we brought up, the specifically the stuff like the way Abby is portrayed supernaturally. It's like going from the sort of more subdued <sighs> yeah. Swedish version to I watched them pretty close together and it was like I would laugh whenever Abby did her vampire shit because it was so over the top right. compared to let me let the right one in. Right. <laughs> Still makes me giggle a little. Um, bit. Her so <laughs> CGI, it's so bad. Now we're getting a TV show. Yeah, like it, um, it October 9th, episode one, like season one, episode one. The episode's called "Anything for Blood." It's like Showtime's doing it. It's been you know 2010 to 2022 or 2008 to 2022. Um. There's a potential generation of people who have never seen either of these movies, and the show might be their first exposure to this. If the, yeah, if they're seeing it, maybe. I mean, they're these movies were kind of like let the right one in. I don't know. It had a lot of buzz when it came out, but then I feel like that died right. off pretty quickly. It doesn't really have a lot of staying power, I guess. Or, it's they're cult classics at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and then maybe, um, I don't know, maybe it gets, like, over overshadowed might be the wrong word, but I think Let Me In probably takes a lot of the oxygen out of the room for Let the Right One In. Or like, sure. Like, split the audience or something. I don't know. Now, we've seen how American Eye, like, now we're doing, like, a television show of this? All different in like production company, <sighs> though. I don't know. It could be. It, it's Showtime. They do some good stuff. They made Party Down. I love that show. They, but 
we're talking about like a subversive, subtle vampire movie. And now we're making it into like a serialized, like, I, I just don't feel the tone will be there. I feel like this is going to be way more American, way more Hollywood. I just don't have a lot of hope for the show. Now, I, I could be wrong because I s- said similar things about Hannibal, like a Hannibal show to Hannibal movie. And I had to eat a whole bunch of crow for that because the Hannibal show was amazing. But Hannibal w- wasn't also like a subtle art film of before, you know, it, it wasn't. Have you watched the uh, the trailer so, for the show? Yes. Okay. And that's why at the end when they go, we have to find a cure. <laughs> there has to be a cure. I'm like, Ugh. well, they're bringing back the uh, Morse code. It looks like, which is neat. I don't know. They are the. Uh, I'm maybe watching a bit of it right now, but it looked. I don't know. Oh, I think I'll give it a watch, based on having watched 30 seconds of this trailer. We'll see. I, like I don't the guy, think I like I, the guy. Who, I'll, I'll wait for you to. I like. The I'll wait for you to watch it and then tell me your opinion. Uh, I really like the actor who plays the dad. Um. I've lost the IMDb thing. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll I'll wait for you to watch it, and then based off of your review, I will watch it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I feel like I I know enough to where I'll be able to be like, I I liked it, but you should not watch this. You will have a bad time. Like, uh, like with the invitation, (laughs) which you can stream if you want to have a real bad time this weekend. No, no, you told me the ending and that you're it pissed me off hearing it. So I don't want to wasting much wasting my time to get to that ending would just be no, I'm okay. Right. You don't have anything um, you need to atone for. So this weekend right, at least. Not, no reason right, to Right. Maybe next fashion. weekend. But, yeah. But maybe next year. Um like next weekend or something. So uh yeah, so we have let me in. We have let or we have let the right one in. Let me in. We have Let Me In Crossroads. And now we're getting this TV show. Uh, obviously, it's been rebooted, you know, because yeah, now like it's more a of a franchise. Or... Right. Well, it's the a, comic book is a prequel. The comic book is a prequel. This, this seems this to be like. new people. The, the girl's name is Eleanor, and she's with like right. her actual father. Maybe, right. Maybe she's been infected by the, like, by Abby or. Ellie or whatever or something. I think she is supposed to be the Ellie type. Like, like I think she is Ellie just with a different name. And they just happen to learn Morse code. Cause like they show her like poking her finger into the light. Like it looks like she's learning new things or something. I don't know. Whatever. I, I like I said, I'll, I'll give it a watch. I'll so, wait for you to give me a review. Only, only 30, um, to 30 minutes to an hour of my life, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it's been rebooted, but do you think that it's needed? I don't know. Like, like, in your opinion, like, let the right one in, reboot, deboot. Like, do you think oh, it's needed? I don't, like, I don't, like we both said, I think the movie remake, bad idea. Maybe the TV show, though, like you were saying, maybe if it ends up like a Hannibal-style thing, you know, could be awesome. And the, <laughs> Hannibal had to be a way better TV show than this would have to be, I think, to be, like, good, just because the legacy of uh, Doctor Lecter sure. is like so looms so much larger than the legacy of Ellie and Abby, <laughs> right? Um, right. You know, there's less to deal with there for them. I don't know. I think I am 
I'm open to the idea of a show. I think those can work better than just like a straight remake sometimes because it's like a different medium. You can tell sort of like longer stories in a more drawn out fashion. You can get bigger sure. of characters and stuff. I think it could I think it could work. I like more I like the adaptation kind of stuff more than these straight remakes generally, especially where they're just like an inferior version of what they were doing before. See, I'm I'm only giving it the benefit of the doubt because of Hannibal. <laughs> right. The but, time, which was, is that Showtime also? Right. Uh, no, that was uh, NBC. Wow. Fucking NBC. Peacock, man. Okay. I, I know. I know, right? Uh, but let the right, like, again, let the right one in is a subversive vampire art film. Let me in is a vampire movie. I can't see the TV show being like, let's try to go for a subversive vampire television show. Yeah, maybe. I guess it'll, for me, yeah, it's going to depend pretty heavily on, like, what kind of themes they want to engage with in it. If it's just, Precisely. If it's just, like, you know, The Last of Us, but with a little vampire girl instead of, I don't know. Right. Of like, I have to kill thing. for to keep my daughter alive, and if we're looking for a cure, and I don't, like, fuck off. If it's off. that kind of thing, I'm going to be less interested. Or if it turns into, like, a The Walking Dead kind of thing or something. I don't know, but... Oh, I'll check it Christ. out. I mean, they're yeah. not like in a post-apocalypse or anything, from what I can tell. I don't thank fuck for yeah. that. You know, like it's... Yeah. <laughs> um. So we'll see. It's weird to me if yeah, if she's supposed to be the same character, or if she is a different character, and they just also happen to be in the Morse code. That's going to be weird. But like I said, I'll give it a I'll give it a watch. We'll do a little theme and check and uh, and report back in a few weeks or whatever. Three. So uh yeah, let the right one in to let me in. You're gonna reboot it or deboot it? No, fuck no. I'm gonna put a stake through the heart of the remake. Sorry. I am gonna throw up <laughs> Yeah, I, I you know what? I love her work. I think she's a great actress. Um, but I think I'm gonna throw this one out into the sun. Yeah. Watch it. <laughs> I'm gonna, yep. What? That was my watch. What was that? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what did your said? I figured as much, which I don't know what that was in response to, but <laughs> she knew. You have a sarcastic exactly how we're watch with this movie. I was about to say, um, yeah, and also engulf a random passerby in flames. Yeah. Uh, so, Alex, do you have any final words for our audience, our hearers? <laughs> I got to start preparing these. No, I really don't. I don't know. Um, watch the then Ducks. we will s- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you guys next week he stinks and i don't like it well we better get going i wonder will we ever see each other again who knows god willing we'll all meet again in space balls too to search for more money